0: Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball.
1: So here we are, off-season episode number nine. We're actually coming to the end of our Mm off-season. There will only be one more off-season episode, and that's going to be a special episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can kind of, you know... We're teasing our first guest of the podcast on, so we'll, we'll have that coming up next
1: week, which I think will be a lot of fun. That's right. Somebody actually wanted to come on with us, and, and we'll tease out that it was a former Major League Baseball player. So how about that? We're, we're really looking forward to uh, sharing that with you in um, our next off-season episode, which will be the last. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, though, we're going to talk about uh, statistics and, and how statistics today um, have uh, become obviously much broader, uh, and they-, they There's are, a lot more of them, there's too. There's a lot more <laughs> of them, um, and, and it's very different than when I was a kid, and there was no ESPN, if you can remember a time, you can't, before the internet. I certainly can. Right, right. So uh, you would get all your statistics from printed material, mostly, newspapers, magazines. I mean, you always talk about
0: how you'd find me just poring over the box stats as a kid.
1: Right, right. And and, and so that's even when you were you, a kid, that was you, kind you, of you, the way that it was.
0: You said that's what you used to do, is you would just sit there and study the box scores. Yeah,
1: I've, I've been a believer. A lot of a lot of people used to try to teach uh, math by you know teaching boys baseball statistics because it's all percentages, obviously, and mm. and so so when you were growing up, there were there were some key statistics: home runs for for batters, RBIs, batting average, on base average, slugging percentage. Well, even yeah, on I, base wasn't that yeah, on, super popular. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I you
0: would really say that on base wasn't even really considered a thing until as an important statistic until Billy Bean and the Moneyball A's kind of came around, and they were the first team to really value that. As the expense of other stats other people would pay attention to it but that's like the first example i can really think of of a team placing more emphasis on a, that particular statistic.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I think that it certainly wasn't a regular discussion. You were maybe aware that a guy walked you, a lot and maybe got on base more but than you, other guys. you but. would
0: never look at – you You might look at a leadoff, a guy that was fast and got on base a lot, and he would be like, oh, he's a good leadoff hitter. That's a valuable thing. But a guy that wasn't stealing bases, nobody cared that he walked a lot.
1: And there was a lot of anomalies out there where you had guys that seemed to be fast and, and, and you know were stolen base guys that had terrible – OBAs when you go back and you look at what they're going, wow, the guy only got on base thirty-two percent of the time,
0: right? And then you look at how often they got caught stealing, and you realize this guy was actually like a net negative on your team.
1: So um, let's let's play a little game here. I'm gonna throw out a bunch of stats, mm-hmm. um, and you're gonna tell me if you think those statistics are less or more important today than they were, let's say, thirty years ago. So we'll go back to let's say around 1990. Okay, so because that—that's you know, I, long that's a good break. Point. Yeah, that's a decent break point. I would agree with that. So, uh, growing up, uh, sacrifice flies were a uh, a stat that you still track today. Are they more or less important? I, I find it to be a pretty meaningless statistic in terms of counting.
0: The statistic itself, sacrifice flies, are definitely something that's val- valuable within the context of a single game,
1: like a two-two game in the yeah. bottom of the eighth inning. Having a sacrifice fly is totally a valuable thing and something good for a batter. And dude. the commentators saying, "Hey, he's you know he's got to think about getting the ball in the air here." But I would
0: never ever make any kind of judgment about a player's worth based upon the number of sacrifice flies that he
1: got within a particular season or a career. You know Eddie Murray, uh, the Hall of Famer, holds the Major League record for most sacrifice flies in a career. That they even track that surprised me a little bit. 128, and what does that even mean? And, and realistically, you're thinking so. You're telling me that a
0: Hall of Fame batter for you intentionally got out 128. Well, he didn't intentionally get out. Well, no, it's like, like, that's like, what a sacrifice like, is, is. Is supposed to be. You're intentionally giving yourself up. Granted, you're getting a positive outcome from it. But you'd have to say, okay, if Eddie, if if Murray swung and tried to get a hit. On how, like, what would be the difference if he had tried to get a hit on all 128 of those? Because some of them would have still been fly balls that got the run home. You
1: wouldn't have 128. 128- he, total would RBIs. Right. he
0: would have less, but would he have mo- created more value in those situations by not giving himself up and instead getting a hit?
1: Well, I think the way baseball is played today uh, by managers, I think that's that's a point I think you're making, which is managers are less willing now to give up outs, right? So sacrifice bunts, e- even with the lack of the pitcher hitting in the American League, so you have fewer sacrifice bunts in the American League than the National. National League managers are bunting with their pitcher less and less, uh, although the pitchers hit worse and worse as over the years because they just don 't practice it and don 't do it very much so sacrifice bunts you know are more or less important today than they were thirty years ago,
0: I think they 're less important, but that just has to do with the changing nature of the game back at thirty years ago, and especially as the farther back you go. you actually had more outs you were already kind of just giving up by having that guy in the lineup like it wasn 't uncommon to have two or three guys at the bottom of your order hitting, like what, like 240 or less? Yeah, yeah, So like if you had that, if your seven, eight, and nine guys literally actually couldn't hit for the most part, that's going to be very different because you're already giving up those outs anyway. So a sacrifice is a way of at least ensuring that that out you're giving up is having a positive
1: result. Right, right. Now, your eight hitter gets on base and the pitcher's going to come up and bunt them over. If the eight hitter's leading off the inning, yeah, Right. It, he gets on, on a walk, the pitcher bunts him over, you go on a run or like, you feel that's like the best outcome you could have at the bottom of your lineup. <laughs> exactly, but now, now only really it's your pitcher that
0: can't hit, and if you're in the American League, you're like, wait a second, my eight hitter just got on base, and now my two eighty nine hitter is coming up to bat. Why am I going to take the bat out of his hands?
1: No, exactly, and 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 that's that's the difference in the way you know managers value. Um, you know, he only get twenty seven outs in a game, and giving them up is is something that they're much less willing to do today.
0: And it's why guys, it's why you see so much, so so much fewer guys, I guess so much, so many less, so much fewer. I'm not sure the best way to say it, but you see so many guys like why swinging early in the count is such a big issue nowadays, because if you're going to swing at an early pitch in the count and just like take yourself out of that, you're hurting your team so much more because
1: every out that you give up is just so much more meaningful mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. days. So, so back to sacrifice flies for a second, uh, you may or may not be aware that they have changed, um, the credit for a sacrifice fly as to whether it is a um time at bat um or not over the history of major league baseball and, and, and we won't go into it but it has changed um where it used to be a, a time at bat and and it would count against your batting average and then it didn't count as it does not count now mm-hmm. right so if you get a sacrifice fly you're not credited with a time but the at problem bat. is is how do you differentiate It's like to me with a sacrifice bunt i can
0: understand why it doesn't Count against your at bats because you're clearly doing something different than you would be in a normal at bat. But how do I tell the difference between a guy that tried to get a hit and just happened to hit a fly ball and a guy that intentionally did so?
1: Well, you're doing a really good job of basically making the argument as to why baseball went back and forth because they had the same issue with that. Yeah, like I mean, is, uh, is the sacrifice fly was he? You know, was it just to, an accident to me, to me, or to, was it? To a, me, that's to, why it's like sa- sacrifice, sacrifice uh, so?
0: fly should just count. It should count against your average because regardless, you took the swing at the ball. So. The
1: chance of there being something at a high
0: greater variance is a lot that more likely than a guy bunting the baseball.
1: So um, oddly enough, five teams have collected three sacrifice flies in one inning. Have to think about that for a second. Yeah. How
0: does that even work?
1: <laughs> well, the, oh, yeah. How would you get three in the same inning? Because
0: it would have to be like – how would you have a sacrifice where it didn't result in an out?
1: Um, well um, – it basically is. There's errors, you know, that that didn't happen, so that it's a you get credit for the sacrifice fly, but the put the the out wasn't made. Oh, so
0: like you would have had the the sacrifice fly, but the outfielder literally dropped Drop the, the ball, so
1: it becomes an error. You get credited with a sacrifice fly, and you get to go on base without the out <laughs> exactly. being recorded. Just little, I just thought that was kind of interesting that that actually happened five times. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that it happened five times is in one inning is uh, you know uh, is, is is pretty something. So um, okay, how about um, let, let's go to some pitching stats. Um, no, there's okay. a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I, I think one that really struck me when I was a kid that was really important, um and even to a certain degree today, are – um Pitcher appearances, total appearances oh, by wow. a pitcher in a season, right? So that if a guy pitched eighty-eight times, remember they the Mets had uh, Pedro, Pedro Feliciano. Pedro, okay, you remember them? We're Mets fans, right? Pedro, like I pitched like almost every single day. I think he had eighty it, or ninety. That was Blevins'
0: one year too. Ble- Jerry Blevins was like that. So because ninety he would times in like every
1: game. Now with the new rule, uh, and again, I t- still can't find out for the rule for the next year, but uh, for the season coming up, I should say whether or not the yeah, reliever that, has to pitch. The that three wasn't batters. part
0: of the announcement they made, where they, they said no. D-H. I haven't been able to find
1: anything about it, but let's, let's say that that's still in there. That's going to create more or less appearances. You would think fewer, right? If you were overall appearances for a pitcher, if he has to pitch to three instead of bringing him in the game for one hitter yeah, and you're, taking you're, him out.
0: That, that limits guys like Feliciano and Blevins from appearing in a million games because those guys would come in and play, pitch to one left-hander and immediately get taken out. So that guy can pitch, you know, like five days in a row sometimes.
1: And so so your team views you as a, okay, a guy. So is a pitcher appearances more – Less or even the same as as it's always been. Actually, that's that's a possibility uh, too.
0: I think it's a pretty meaningless statistic.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. So having a rubber arm, being able to go out there and throw 85 times, 90 times. This isn't, the problem isn't, is, is
0: without the context of how many innings you're pitching, it's not particularly helpful. Because, yeah, you threw that guy out 85 times, but if he threw 70-something innings because he only went out there to get one out at a
1: time, isn't that valuable? I, th- I think the the argument is that having a pitcher who's virtually ready to go out there and pitch every single day or almost every <laughs> single day is, is, is a confidence for the manager to be able to have somebody out there, and it's right. valuable to the team. Right,
0: but to play devil's advocate, here, if you have a guy that you have to go to every single day, that's probably not a great thing for your overall staff no, because that, that's a whole other He's story. probably not your closer or your best reliever. So why is this guy getting in the game every day?
1: So, so we did appearances. And how about um, starts for a pitcher? Like there used to be, uh, you know, in, in the days of four-man rotations, uh, having thirty-five starts in a season was a number uh, that was really important. Very rarely do pitchers get thirty-five starts to, today.
0: To give context to us, I'll actually say this for pitcher appearances: the one thing it'll give you is the durability of right, the guy right it's the one thing it'll kind of tell you and but i value starts a little bit more because i value my starters availability more so than a reliever
1: and that also speaks to health as well yeah right, pitcher health pitcher health
0: right and right. it's more meaningful to me because a reliever might have a low number of appearances in a season just because of context of the games if you're a really good closer Or ninth inning guy and your team is always up by a bunch or down by a bunch in the ninth inning you might not get that many appearances in a given season just because your team right right. whereas with a starter right you gotta be ready
1: and and all the good teams uh you know would like to start their two or three best pitchers and only have if in their perfect world it'd be a two or three man rotation I'd like to pitch Jacob deGrom every game if I could
0: (laughs) I'm sure if I'm the Mets you would your ideal progression of events would be Jacob deGrom for seventh seven innings the bullpen figures it out for two and you can do that.
1: Thirty times in a season today, that's about right. That's thirty to thirty-two starts is about where yeah. pitchers fall. Out. And
0: I think for me, I'm not concerned about a guy unless he's dipping under the twenty-five marker. Mm-hmm. If he's dipping under the twenty-five, right, especially right. on a consistent basis, that's telling me this is a guy that's injury prone.
1: And it affects your entire staff, as we all know, because now you got and, all and, kinds and, of it, guys pitching. An injury prone <laughs> doesn't always mean
0: big injuries like Thor's or syndigards If you know you're not a Met fan, where you know you're missing giant swaths of a season, it can just be that. Guy that you know at one point during the season he's going to take a two-week trip to the DL no matter what yeah. there's guys like that that you know there's going to be some point in the time where he's going to miss you know not a, a not a significant period of time but not an insignificant period either
1: so associated with uh, with starts is another stat that uh, wasn't around when I was a kid it kind of came around I don't know and maybe sometime just before 2000 maybe in the 90s mm-hmm. um, it would be quality starts Okay. You, does everybody know what a quality yeah. start what, what, is? Let's let's give the definition
0: of what a quality start is.
1: I believe it still is six innings. It's six innings, three runs I or it, less. So I always I thought it was two. I no, thought it was three. Two. It's definitely okay. three runs or less. So because it was a four five ERA, I always said, "Well, is that really that good?" Yeah, he gave up three runs in six innings. That's but a but you four know five what, if ERA. You, if, but
0: if you told a team. Going into a season, every single day, your pitcher is going to give you – your starting pitcher will give you six innings and three runs or less. You would be like, sign me up for that.
1: So it's a barometer. But what kind of stat do you think that is? Is it more, less important, unimportant? What do you think? I think it's – actually, I think it's more valuable today. Ah. And the reason being
0: is pitchers don't throw as many innings that they used to throw. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a guy that puts together a lot of quality starts, that is six – you think about it. That's six innings of three runs or less you're getting out of that guy. That's a big deal in today's in today's major right.
1: leagues, right? This this isn't you know if you go back to to baseball around the turn of the twentieth century, uh, Jack Chesborough of the Yankees won forty one games. It's the most a pitcher ever has won in one season in nineteen oh four for the Yankees, uh, and I think he had something like uh, fifty five starts. He pitched the complete game almost the, Baseball isn't like that today. So
0: the, yeah, you go, guys don't last six innings unless they're actually pitching well,
1: right? And particularly now, and as you get obviously further into the season in the playoffs, you know, if, if the guys don't have it, they don't even get you to the have, third inning. Yeah, you don't get to <laughs> through the third inning.
0: So I think quality starts. If you have guys like Jacob deGrom, again, just to reference him, guys like him, Max Scherzer, Verlander, kershaw when he was really in his dominant prime like those guys they give you quality starts almost every time they go out there and that's what makes them the top line starter is because quality start to me pretty much means i have gone out there and given my team a chance to win the ball game
1: and and i haven't killed my bullpen yeah i mean the manager puts out his number one or his number two going please save my bullpen because it's
0: it's a lot more painful when Jacob DeGrom only goes two innings and when Doug Peterson only goes two innings, because you kind of expect that to happen with a young rookie like that every once in a while or with the journeyman at the back end of your rotation. You know, there's going to be a start or two in there where he just kind of implodes. But you also know you're going to get that against a bunch of teams, too, where, uh oh random fifth starter for the Phillies decided it was their turn to implode against the Mets and you get a 14 to 1 laugher where you didn't really have to try that much.
1: Yeah, well, don't get enough of those. Uh, But you you, you get
0: more than you think because you remember the ones that happen to you a lot more than the ones you do
1: to other people. So so two other uh, starting pitcher stats, I I guess, that would they would be first would be complete games. Now, it's a different era, right?
0: Yeah, it's hard to say how valuable they are. It, it doesn't hardly even happens. No, yeah, I think it's something that's less valuable now, just because of how unusual right,
1: it is. Right, right. Like it just and 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 how you know like that's a thing now. If you complete the game and and the, the pitchers in the '80s, uh, even into the would laugh and go complete games. You know Maddox and these guys; those guys threw tons of complete games. Not compared to Gibson, by the way, and Seaver and Koufax and those guys who who did it even more. But that's just because the
0: hitters now you lose, you can't throw it ninety five percent anymore unless you're like a, a superstar pitcher ninety. Like, because we we we've all seen games where like you can tell the guy like he's doesn't have his good he's stuff that it, day. Right. We've seen I've seen Degrom not have it. I've seen. Scherzer not have it. I've seen all the top pitchers, and you can tell when they're having to battle and work to get out. But if you're not that level of pitcher, when you have to battle. You're battling for your life.
1: You know, they talk about pitchers trying to win without their best stuff. The best pitchers, you know, like they didn't really have it. Kershaw didn't have, but he managed to guile experience to you know work his way through the order. Uh, and managers look at these you know guys and they'll stick a little longer with with those guys than they would at the end. But you know, Ron Darling, who who does the Met games here in the, in the New York area on SNY, um, always talks about you know when he was pitching, leaving having something a little extra for the late in the game when you, you face can't it do to, that you, anymore. You can't play baseball can't, like that you now. You can't be
0: like. I'm going to hold, you know, 10 percent
1: through two miles an hour in my fastball and bring it out to throw to Mike Trout or or something like that in the eighth inning.
0: No, you just you're
1: throwing as hard
0: as you can. You're not in the game in the
1: eighth inning if that's what you're doing.
0: No, because if you've been holding that little bit back, they've hit you by
1: that point. So another stat also would be innings pitched. We'd always use 200 innings pitched for a good starting pitcher as a barometer of what would be a a season that you help your team because you put up 200 innings.
0: See, i I, and I disagree because it's just like, okay, but what were the quality of those two hundred innings? If you gave me two hundred innings of five ERA ball, how valuable was that for my team?
1: Well, and you're right that there are pitchers, and I, I'm, I'm going to not think of one off the top of my head. I should Bartolo. That, that, that just, well, no, that Bartolo is a nearly a Hall of Fame pitcher. Me. But, Come but on. he had a bunch of seasons towards the back end of his career where he pretty much. Well, was he was 75 years old. Give the guy a break.
0: I, I <laughs> love. Don't get me wrong. I love Bartolo, and I would totally make an argument. <laughs> (laughs) that he actually does maybe belong in the Hall of Fame. But what I'm saying is you have a guy like that who's just going to go out and eat innings for you. But that's all he's really doing is just –
1: killing right. innings we're talking about the same thing so there are some you know let's see number three and number four starters who every year you know, Odorizzi a, yeah Odorizzi is a good good example of a, of a good pitcher who, who, who when he was healthy gave you a lot of innings and you knew that you you know, could count on the guy he wasn't going to be the best pitcher but he wasn't going to kill your bullpen he was going to keep your team in the game even if they weren't always quality starts and I'm not picking on Odorizzi it's the
0: kind of thing where like A good team is worried about having a guy like that. The same way the good team is worried about having the fourth outfielder that can really play good defense for you and maybe can steal a base and has some speed. A team that is trying to tinker with their team and compete for a World Series values a guy that's going to be able to eat innings for you so you don't go to your bullpen. But a crappy team that's just trying to survive, that guy doesn't really help them that no, much. Well, no, it doesn't
1: help them, but you need, somebody's got a pitch. Somebody's got a pitch, right. <laughs> so you're a bad team, so you know what? Thank you. Go out there and, and, but get, I'd rather, and put up some I'd rather, for I for rather
0: I, I, I'm just saying if I was a GM or a manager, I'd rather cycle through young guys trying to see if I had something than have... Some rando guy out there eating innings for me for the sake of eating who, who innings.
1: Who you're paying eight million dollars a year to to pitch? Yeah, I'm sorry, the guy's gonna pitch even well, if he gets hammered. I just wouldn't <laughs> have gotten him in the first place. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, a couple more pitcher stats, uh, and and one of them is uh, one we know well: wins, and and um, I think everybody understands that pitcher wins. Uh, the value of those have certainly changed.
0: Oh well, it changes for the same reason that we don't value. It. Just you don't have guys pitching the whole game anymore. So because of that, like if – if I don't know. if When Felix Hernandez went like what? Like 13, 13 and, and 12. 12. 13 and 12 for the Mariners. Won, the, won the Cy Young. Won the Cy Young. That tells you the only thing that matters. And meant. DeGrom won it with – Yeah, because you know. that's what it's – it's not about be, getting wins is as much of fun it's like the same reason why we've devalued to bring up a hitter statistic, RBIs.
1: So, so 100% agree in that. And a win was important more than 30 years ago, but even 30 years ago was way more important as an evaluator.
0: When a guy came in, when you had your number one starters, they would throw so many more innings. They were a lot more directly responsible for the outcome of a game. Nowadays, because it's not uncommon for a pitcher to come out and then four more pitchers come in after him, if the third out of those four guys blows it, that doesn't mean that guy had a bad day that day. Whereas back then, he would throw seven to eight innings every single time. So the game was generally decided in those seven or eight innings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Guys like Seaver and and. Exactly Carl, you know, when they were pitching. So, um, you know, in, in the, in the sixties, you know, guys pitched all those innings and do that. And today they pull you a lot quicker. So know. if you're in, so it's like,
0: I'm never going to judge a guy based off of the number of wins he's getting, because, I've been a Met fan for the past three years and watched Jacob DeGrom, and ain't nobody going to tell me he's not been the best pitcher in baseball.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So and the the idea is that, you know, wins are are not valued as highly uh, as they, they, they will never be valued as highly again. And it's a bit of a subjective stat in that to get a win, a pitcher has to pitch five innings, complete five innings. And if not, if he, if he doesn't, then the official score, and we're going we're gonna to do a show about official yeah, scoring this, because it's just is really interesting well, Think about
0: him. it. In baseball, baseball is the only sport where you have this guy making a... Ex- Essentially, a subjective decision about how statistics will be awarded. So the starting pitcher only goes four innings.
1: He gets to just pick who gets the win that day. Who is day. the most effective guy? Let me see. No other sport has literally anything like that. Well, he decides it on errors as well, right? Exactly. Errors like, like, was that an error? Was that a hit? <laughs> oh, let me think about it. Yeah. You know? it was- and sometimes they change their mind during the game. They say, oh, well, that, that was ruled an well, error. you've ever been there, you'll see it
0: like two innings later. They'll be like in
1: last at bat was ruled an error. So how about um, for pitchers uh, last one, earned
0: run average? I think we're seeing the slow devaluing of that statistic, less because it's in and of itself it's not a valuable statistic, and more we're just getting better ways of understanding how to break that statistic down. Because what ERA can't account for is bad defense, and not bad defense in making errors, since that's obviously a pretty big part of ERA, but rather – your team doesn't have the defensive range to get to balls that an average major league or replacement level would get to. So if you got a really slow left fielder who's maybe not making errors because he doesn't ever get to the ball quick enough to make a play on it, so it just always gets in front of him, that guy's going to cost
1: you runs throughout a season that would be reflected in your ERA. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've known for a long time that starting pitcher ERA is more important than reliever ERA. I think most fans that follow baseball understand relievers come in in highly leveraged situations, men on base. It's not a a clean start of their own making. So their ERAs are actually normally higher uh, than those of starting pitchers. Mostly because you're getting put into situations where it's more immediately at jeopardy. But the additional stats, as, as I think you were alluding to, things like ERA+, plus and, and fit, FIP, fielding yeah. independent of pitching, uh, this helps you evaluate pitchers, and, and I would agree with you that ERA, I think it's still, it's such a good traditional stat because you can go back to the beginning and, of and baseball it's, and, 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 and And the and, thing and is and also still at that. the
0: end of the day, unlike a lot of statistics, you can't kind of accidentally luck your way into a good ERA.
1: Right, right, like, right. He like, had to have been a good pitcher. Like,
0: like you can kind of look your way in with some of the like wins. We've all seen the random reliever that's like eight and zero at the All Star right, break, right, who's right. leading the major league in wins with like a six ERA because he just happened to be like, oh, I was the pitcher of record
1: and my team won a bunch of games late. Like uh, I think I I think it might have been the '86 season. I'm not sure. The Mets had a reliever named Terry Leach, and I think he was like ten and one. Terry Leach was not a great pitcher. No, but you could just luck. <laughs> just you just got into the right or, situation at gonna, the right time. You're never gonna have a 2.0 era by mistake absolutely you know you, it's just, you know, you have to be a good pitcher in, in order to be able to do that so now, I, you I, can have a single you have to have a good year yeah, because yeah. like rick porcello
0: had that year where he won the cy young had like a two something era it,
1: not ever gonna happen again no somebody was impersonating him if you ask me actually <laughs> uh I, I don't i don't really think that's uh you know that, that's in any question so the, I, I lied because i had one more um and it's a really good one so uh, saves right. oh no it's worthless and, 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 I'll associate saves and holds together. So saves, now, interestingly enough, saves, uh, did not come into play as an official statistic until 1969. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is they went back before that. And like retroactively, people, award. retroactively awarded guys saves. so now you have Elroy Face of the 59 you know, Pirates, who was a good relief pitcher, and he now is accredited with saves that he never got in a box score or never was paid for as a pitcher at the time. I think that's...
0: I, I, I think that it's interesting. interesting with saves. I think it's less that it's not a valuable statistic and more we just overvalued it as a statistic mm-hmm. because we let it dictate who the best relievers were. And really, that's not how it works because if... I bring in a guy in the eighth inning. Let's say it's a three nothing game. First and second, no outs in the eighth inning. I bring in a guy and he gets me out of it without giving in if any runs. And then the closer comes in the ninth and gets a one, two, three inning. Who was actually more important to protecting the lead that game?
1: Who pitched the more highly leveraged situation? The the guy in the eighth inning.
0: The guy in the eighth inning. The other guy really didn't have that much of it. He's just like, okay, yeah, don't let in three runs from the clean inning. That's actually pretty easy.
1: And managers are aware of this, obviously, because increasingly you'll see the number one relief pitcher come in in, in, at a time that isn't at the closing of the game. They'll bring in Josh Hader in the seventh inning to get right. the outs that they need because that's because the there's the no longer
0: this weird sort of mystique that somehow the like the ninth inning is the more and most important inning because it really isn't the most important inning is whatever one you're in because that's all you really care about you wouldn't and that's what people are starting to figure out that's why you see josh Hader coming in in the seventh instead of the ninth because it doesn't matter if josh Hader is there to pitch the ninth if you blow the game in the seventh then he can't be effective later on
1: and and, and that would be actually he would get a hold in that situation and and, and so that holds are also a, an even newer stat than saves uh, and holds, you know, are, are actually more important in comparison to saves than people value. Cause they're not as far apart as you might. It's, think. it's basically the same thing. Right. The
0: only thing we've done with the save is being like, Oh, it's in the ninth inning. It's special.
1: Well, we came up with the idea that, okay, so you can have a pitcher pitch five innings. Okay. Three pitchers, each pitch one inning. Don't give up any runs on a one run game. And then a closer comes in and gets the outs. You've got a win, three holds and a save in the same game. That's, that's, overstatting as far yeah, as I'm concerned. Yeah, a little much. So I, I I think that, you know, holes and saves are something that, you know, are, and going back and retroactively awarding players with saves and all that. So, you know, it, it's what it was K-Rod, I think, still has the record, right? It was 62 for one season. And that was sort of like the, the height of when saves value were really thought the most important. But guys get into the Hall of Fame on the basis of aggregate saves.
0: Was well, generally a guy that's, and that's part of it just because, well, not really, because how many guys have gotten in based on aggregate saves? There's not a lot of Hall of Fame closer
1: there's not a lot of Hall of Fame close. There, there are guys that I think especially could can, be could be close Billy Wagner would be one of them yeah Billy Wagner would be the kind of, Billy Wagner gets in if you value the saves right and, and at the time he pitched the save was critically important it was or so it was thought to be critically important correct Yeah. So I, I think that saves are, are going to be a historical reference, but they're less important going forward because of the way pitchers are being used. Right. So you're not going to pay people on the basis of the fact that he had 41 saves or last year he had 39 or vice versa, whatever it would be. And
0: really what this hurts is the the people that this hurts the most are the former eighth inning setup guys that used to get a fat contract to go close for some other team. Now that's not going to happen as much. You're just going to get to go. You're just going to get a fat contract to go be a reliever for another team.
1: So let's do a few hitting stats. Um, um, and um, one, uh, this is one that came about um, only for the 80s. Um, and it's not a stat now. And I think you're aware of it. Um, it is a game-winning RBI.
0: Oh, God, that sounds like a pointless statistic. <laughs> and,
1: and, and because it only lasted, I think, about eight or nine years from like 80 to 89. The all-time leader in game-winning RBIs when they recorded the stat is one Keith Hernandez. Huh.
0: I mean, t- it's a completely pointless statistic for measuring anything other than Wow, that guy
1: was kind of clutch. So here it is. It's it's a nothing-nothing game. Yeah. It's the second inning. And there's a runner on third base, and Keith Hernandez dribbles a ball to the to the, the right side. The runner scores, second out of first base, one nothing game. Keith Hernandez that counts, gets, that's gets counted. The game winning oh, RBI.
0: Oh, that's even less valuable. I thought it would only apply to situations where you literally won the game you know, on the walk off end.
1: That oh, gave your no, team me, the lead, it never the, relinquished.
0: Oh God, no, that's awful. It'd be like it'd be like, oh, I kept track of all the basketball players that hit shots that gave their team the lead.
1: <laughs> that be a, who would care well, about that? yeah a little little different in baseball but i get your point yeah yeah, yeah. sorry i just see no meaning and no that and that's why you know it went away major League Baseball said well this is a dumb stat we should get rid of this yeah so um but traditional stats like batting average um batting average more will always be valuable same same importance as always i i would tend how about rbis less valuable why it's an extension
0: of your team OK. Elaborate. Well, think about it. If you have a guy that's on a bad team hitting third and he's got two guys on front of him that don't have good on base percentage, he just naturally has less chances to get RBIs than a guy on a good team with guys in front of him. So you as a player don't have direct control over the number of RBIs you realistically get because you can't get RBIs that other guys actually having had success in front of you first. So I think it's I think it's of. Uh, uh, it's a measurement it's a measurement it's not a good analysis you know hack
1: wilson has the all time record for rbis in a season in 1930 for the cubs he had 190 rbis um you don't get lucky getting 100 he had an amazing season that year it was just by far his best season uh, and so you know that that that's such an old stat rbis in general and that particular stat that it's kind of fun from a historical basis to look at right. how I many think, rbis I, I think people it's still,
0: get it's fun to look at and it's fun to evaluate but i would never like be like oh wow that guy didn't get 100 rbis this season right, you're not gonna that, get
1: dinged you know you because, should get dinged right, you right, because you didn't get it's situational and, and and i completely agree um on base average relatively if, if anything that's gone up in value mm-hmm. because what people have realized is the most
0: premium value thing in baseball is base runners and outs so if you have a guy that gets on base that's very valuable you're doesn't right. matter how
1: because him getting on base is not him making it out how about, okay, and this is one that I, I, I think I know what you're going to say. Runners in scoring position with less than two out, or how, the batter's average with runners in scoring position. Oh, that's position. super valuable. Oh, okay. Because that has context.
0: Okay. Everybody has the because because the only the only thing that matters in that is the sample size the the, the size of the data that you have. So right, you might not get that many opportunities. You might not get that many opportunities. So I'm going to judge a player depending on how many opportunities they have, the size of the data set. I think that's an incredibly valuable kind of like a
1: clutch measurement. Right, it's a
0: clutch. It's going to tell you which guys when there are uh, now. The thing is, in the context of even a single season, it might not really tell you that much about a guy. But if you look over a five or an eight year period of a guy's career. specifically – specifically on his average runners in scoring position with, with any amount of outs, that's going to tell you yeah. a Bet lot you Joey about that. Votto's is pretty good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So you can pick players that you know are good players, have been for a long time, and there's a really good chance that the reason they're good players, that's something that they do very well. So, you know, when, when I um, was talking to you about you know, this particular episode, actually started with a stat I haven't even brought up yet.
0: Yeah, kind of the, <laughs> one of the biggest ones and one that I think is less a victim of being – Irrelevant due to the poor nature of what it's measuring and more relevant just due to the the way the game has changed.
1: Okay, actually, I'm not sure I'm following. Go ahead. Well, the stolen bases. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Because,
0: like, stolen bases, I think, they have not become devalued because the statistic in and of itself is bad, but rather because we don't steal bases anymore.
1: Well, and and are players faster or slower
0: than they were? Chances are, overall, they're faster. But I'd also say catcher's pop times are much faster. Okay, and arm strength? Better. And... It's just such a bad play percentage-wise.
1: Well, the the um, yes in that I, I think the the rule is around eighty percent. If you're not successful four out of five times stealing a base, you're probably hurting your team more than you're helping it. And very few guys, Trey Turner uh, is a guy who steals about 83% of his bases, and he is um, one of the talked best. You think about it. He's uh, maybe making 75 steals this season, which nobody has gotten 78 steals since, since Jose Reyes. Yeah, I was going to say. Right? And and that was in, in 2007, and before that it was 92, a guy named Marquise Grissom, who I don't know if you've ever heard I've of. heard of him. And so before that, it was 1988. We're talking, no one has stolen that that since, was that Coleman? Uh that was Vince Coleman. Yes. So uh and that was when Henderson was oh, still stealing 93 stealing, bases.
0: You think about it, you had like Coleman I think Henderson cuz Henderson what was his record for most steals in a season? 130. So Henderson stole 130 bases in his most in a season. Last year, the top team in the majors, I think, was the Indians with 135 steals. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: So think about the difference there. Ricky Henderson almost outstole the
1: leading team in the majors last season. And what I remember about Henderson and only is that how often he stole third base. And, 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 that, and I think they don't actually, really see guys and, do and that And they're that actually as much.
0: talking about that. That's a more valuable play. Particularly with ste- less than two outs. With less than two outs than stealing second. Right. Because right. And the reason why I think that you've seen guys, de- want, why stolen bases of getting devalued so much is one, catchers are better at throwing guys out. Two, we place a much higher premium on every out that you get and having an out where you essentially create an out. Without having the batter swing is very bad, especially because you already had a guy on base. So you've taken your advantage and wiped it away without really allowing anything positive to happen for yourself.
1: And and, and I think that's why there's stop signs up, and maybe there's a few players like Billy Hamilton, um, who has a. But Billy green Hamilton, light. he's not really even a starter now. Well, think, you know you know the old saying about a guy like Billy Hamilton, you can't steal first.
0: Yeah, and that's a big part of it. And I think also when you look at like your steals, I think a big issue with them is that. It's such a momentum breaker for your team. Having a stolen – having your guy get caught stealing is such a deflating thing for your inning that it,
1: it, it's yeah, – I think there's context there. It depends on when in the when game is, it is. And, I,
0: I, this, and then this was the other thing I was thinking of saying. I also think it has to do with the change in the way that guys swing the bat. Mm-hmm. Guys are now intentionally trying to launch the ball, specifically using launch angles to put air under the ball to try and elevate it.
1: There are very few slap hitters. That you don't need, you need don't
0: those. have that. Whereas before you were almost instructed to hit the ball into the ground. You wanted to be level through the ball and drive it down on a line. So that meant you had more ball. That meant hit and run was a lot less dangerous because it was way less likely the guy was going to pop
1: the ball up. So, you know, it's 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 gone so far from what it used to be. Uh, in 2019, the last full season, the National League League in stolen bases was ronald acuna he had a whopping 37 so the last full season we were whit merrifield what merrifield
0: was, was the al leader right 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 he right. would have had like almost close to i think 50 i think probably. he stole
1: the year before and then because uh malik smith oh wow who's a, who's a met now yes. had 46 for tampa in, and he in, was like the 2009, leader and he led the league with 46 uh and i i don't know why there are people talking about trey Turner stealing 75 bases this year. I, I don't know. Cause it doesn't, where's that going to come from?
0: Right. Cause it's like, he doesn't, He's never even been – it's not like he's had a bunch of seasons where he's been at like 50 or 60 and he gets – because he does get hurt all
1: the time. That guy's a terrific player. In fact, that, that's one of the reasons why you may not want to run a guy so much because stealing bases, sliding in there, wears you down. You get and hurt and a lot. There's get, a lot. You get hurt. It wears your body down. It will affect your performance yeah, at the they, plate it, and at shortstop in the field.
0: Because they, it's stealing a base is essentially go to your absolute top speed and then stop really suddenly.
1: But I, I think uh, – and it should be interesting with uh, 76-year-old Tony La Russa managing in, in, in Chicago this year for the White Sox uh, because when he was managing, the stolen base was a much bigger part of the game uh, than, than it is today. And I wonder if he is going to consider trying to get the White Sox to run a little bit more. I think
0: the more interesting thing would be if teams especially continue to shift with guys on base, what is stealing like with the shift present? I think teams haven't explored that option enough, and that's a way you can potentially start breaking a shift. Well, they
1: they will have a a, a defensive change. If if there's a runner on base, they're going to alter the shift to make sure they're not leaving the base uncovered.
0: Right, the base isn't going to be uncovered, but it's much different if, let's say you've got a guy on first base and you've got that lefty shift up, so the third baseman's essentially standing at what a shortstop. If he's the one forced to take that throw from the catcher, you might take that bet going, this guy's not going to be used to having to pick this ball because it is... As much as you think it wouldn't be different, it is very different receiving that throw at second compared to at third. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you're, he's not going to be as fluid and as smooth with it. So you might look at it and go, OK, you know what? I bet we can catch him sleeping here.
1: And I, and I guess um, if, if, in fact, the the uh, ball this season is not quite as live as some have people have been saying is maybe going to fly a couple of feet less if they, if they are standardizing this, um, that might be just enough to have people start saying, you know, maybe we should try running a little bit more and doing this. I just feel like there's been such inattention on in the stolen base and we've gotten to the statistical mindset of saying, OK, you better make 80 percent. If he doesn't, it's a bad play. And people are just not bothering. Managers are just not bothering. No. At
0: all. And especially because you also run into the issue that typically your fastest guys are going to be the top of the order. And if they're at the top of the order, they also have the best hitters behind them. And why are you going to take the bat out of your best hitters hands by having some guy steal in front of him?
1: Yeah, I think that's and that's a good point. And and while the power part of the game has become so important, you don't want to take your chance out of a guy hitting a home run to give you the run without having to run around the bases exactly. and steal them.
0: Exactly. And and if you have if you're the Mets or you're you're any team, if your number one guy gets on base, are you really going to have him try and steal second when the three hitters up with one out? When oh he got thrown out and now he's two outs in the three hitter. I think
1: it's an, I think we'd agree it's an exciting play in baseball. Um, I'd, I'd like to see more of it. I'm not convinced we're going to.
0: I think it's the kind of thing like sacrifice bunts. It'll just become more of a strategic tool within a team's arsenal and less about measuring who's the best at it.
1: So I'll uh, just a, a quick stat. Um, I always remember this because I'm I'm a stat geek. Uh, two players share the season record for steals of home in one. season season neither of those players by the way is named jackie robinson in case you were thinking that
0: so my initial guess for one of them is ty cobb uh,
1: that's a really good guess it, it isn't ty cobb oh, okay. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a really good guess um it was pete Reiser of the dodgers yeah i would have never gotten that one you know and uh, who? pete reaser he yeah was, he, was a, he, he was a dodger <laughs> pete pro- rose's cousin no <laughs> no 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 um, and uh Stealing home in the in the sixties, uh, Rod Carew, okay, stole home seven times. And just the idea that a guy would even try to steal home seven times, much less be successful, uh, just I, that's a different era in baseball. Obviously, yeah, When's, how often do you see a guy try to steal home? It's it's like it's something usually weird like, usually happens. Usually, it's like once a season.
0: For all of the majors, a guy will try and steal home. That's like a once once the entire season, you'll get one guy that does it. And usually because it's like some fast guy and you've got a right, like a left handed pitcher on the mound who's not really paying attention and he's just like. Oh, I'm going to be able to get like halfway down the line. He's not looking over here. Okay, I'm just going to go.
1: Well, and, and and Jackie Robinson was known for taunting the pitchers. You know, when he was playing from the 40s into the 50s, where he would you know kind of you know, gesture to the pitcher and get off the base, you know, and try to get the catch. And and at that time, it did rattle the pitchers because nobody did it. So so it really did affect what was going on, and he could disrupt their rhythm, which was as important as stealing the base itself a lot of the time. Yeah, you
0: just had the because just getting the guy focused on you was a win in of itself. But
1: I think pitchers are are much smaller. About that now. They work on plays like that. If you're dancing around on third base, if you they're get to, gonna get. they're
0: going to pick you off. <laughs> and the other thing is, catcher's arms are so good now, you're playing right, around like throws. that. He's just going to snap it right behind you and you're dead in the water because you're never, because. The thing about those snap throws is no human's reaction on a snap throw is to go keep going in the direction you were. You're almost always going to react by trying to get
1: back to the base. So I, I, I wrote down a few more stats, but I, I don't think these are important at all. But it, it was something that we used to 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 uh, evaluate players. Uh, outfield assists was a way that you would you would again. It's like a lot of these old stats were. What you're seeing is is the
0: the stats that relied on other things on the field happening are what's being devalued. So you can have an out field assist without a guy being in a position to get the assist on so that it's a less valuable statistic because it's so happenstance based on whether or not you get the opportunity to do that
1: i, I think we talked about it in the last show and we said yeah the fielder goes after the ball doesn't catch a ball you should have caught picks it up on one hop fires the second pace and gets the guy out at second trying to stretch a single into a double Hitter gets a single. Batter, the, the fielder gets an assist. And but it would, assist. should have never happened to should begin have caught with. Caught the it. ball. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that that's why the that it is det- it is contingent upon other things, and I think that's a, a good point. Um, they would, and, and I don't. This is not an important stat, but it was something that you divide. Pickoff, pickoff place, right? You know.
0: That almost has more value because that actually shows you how good a pitcher's
1: move is most likely. You know, if, if Andy Pettit has a shot at the fame, um, it's, it's, it's maybe, on the back of his balk pickoff move. Because it as, was one of the best ones One of, ones of the ever. best I've ever seen, you know, and people, people so you know, that could be the thing that eventually, you know, gets Puts it, him over the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and they also, and I don't really understand why. This is a really strange stat. They, they would actually measure a guy's putouts. That's stupid. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you you it's,
0: catch the ball. That literally everything we've been saying, putouts is entirely like, oh, they hit the Somebody ball. Somebody threw up. the
1: ball to me and I stepped on the base. I get credit for a put out.
0: <laughs> what does that matter? Like, I'd rather look at your fielding percentage because at least that tells me how often you mess up.
1: So um, I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if other stats come in um, beyond these advanced stats that we're using Look, now. The, and the issue
0: is that I think you're going to see is that one of the one of the things that these all these sort of outdated statistics have going for them is they're very easy to comprehend. And a lot of these more advanced statistics, you need like a math degree to understand what's happening on a half of them. So – that's going to be a something for a lot of these people that are creating all these advanced stats. How do we explain them in a more concise manner? Because FIP, fielding independent of pitching, is not an easy statistic to explain. WAR is not an easy statistic to explain, but they're so much better at representing what actually occurs. And I
1: and I think if you're going to compare things, and then one of the my favorite things about baseball uh, is the fact that you can look back over 160 years and look at statistics that are still, um, you know, important today, uh, and you can see, measure even if. It's it's not the exact same game. The statistics are the same. It's just interesting to look and see how things have changed. And you don't want to lose that connection to the right. history.
0: And that's why, you know, we always go back to, you know, our, our grand thesis of what we've never been able to accurately describe or look into. But we've always thought was really curious is did batters back when you because we brought it up earlier in this episode with complete games that like guys used to literally throw the whole game, every single game. So for guys like Babe Ruth that played back in like the 19th 1930- or Ty Cobb with the Ty career Bob. average of 366. How much better were their averages in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings compared to the first six innings? Because you're facing now the same pitcher who's pitched the whole game, every game, all the time— I have to think that had an effect, and we'll uh,
1: never really know. And I think it'd be really no. And and we've tried this, and it's just because it requires you going through you know, box scores, but they don't necessarily give you box scores that would have what the player did you when need, you need the actual scoreboard right, from the game literally scorebook. every game so in baseball that, history. And, and I would tend to think that Cobb will show up really strongly there because of his style of hitting compared to Ruth. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're trying to just slap the ball, hit the ball, put the ball in play, as Cobb was was one to, he he did lead the league in in, in, in home runs one year but it was like with nine, yeah, you know, it would be power explosion <laughs> right there in the, in the dead ball era um, that, you know, that, that is something that, you know, he should, you know, he, he would get more hits. I would say than a free swinger like Babe Ruth. Yeah. Who just drove the ball, who, who just drove the ball far, far. Um, so we have one more off season episode, as we mentioned before, and that's going to be our first guest. And, and we will drop that in a couple of weeks. And then on April 1st, we will drop the first episode uh, in, in the new season episode two, and that will be our season preview yeah, for opening day. We'll have an, opening day preview so uh if you've got any ideas for an episode you know please send it in and uh we look forward to uh getting back with you next time thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and you can follow us on twitter at almost coop